Welcome to Election Profit Makers, your guide to winning and losing money on politics and current events. Word of warning, we're not here to make friends, we're not PC, and today we're not wearing clothes. That's right, folks, nude in the studio for the first time ever. My name is Kid Midas, the original Wave Rider, and I'm joined by a fellow naturalist, the one and only Long John Silver. Long John, how you doing? I'm doing great. I am naked, and I didn't know we were going to do this naked thing. Kind I, of a last I mean, I, I knew that we were going to do... I knew that we were going to be naked. I just didn't know that you were going to let any, everyone in on the secret. It's a little behind-the-scenes peek. Yeah. The nude dudes are decidedly rude, covered in food and ready to brood about the mm-hmm. state of affairs in this grand old nation. The United States... We could use... Of hyperinflation. Oh, I was going to say we could use a vacation. Oh, yeah, we could use a vacation. Someone buy us uh, two first-class round-trip tickets to Hawaii, and we'll send you some stickers. Speaking of stickers... Yes, speaking of stickers. Folks, we have designed and produced a brand-new set of Election Profit Maker stickers. And these stickers will be going out to new Patreon subscribers. First-time subscribers... Patreon.com slash election profit makers. You will be receiving in the mail the Wuhan drum machine sticker, the n- most normal sticker ever made. Yeah, it's <laughs> along it's with very the skeleton, skeleton surfing a wave sticker. And then another classic sticker that will go unnamed. That's patreon.com yeah. slash election profit makers. Thank you as always for your support. And guess what, John? What? Well, we won't be nude for long, will we? At least on our torsos. And why is that? Uh, because we have some we have some new t-shirts coming available. They're not available yet, but they've been designed. They look hot to trot, and we can't wait to cover our nude bodies with them. Yeah. So stay tuned for that. Election profit makers, merch kicking into high gear for the holidays. Let's look at our portfolios, John. It's called predictit.org. It's the website we use to make bets. And I wanted to talk about a market that's been much in the news lately and much on my mind. You know what it is. It's the reconciliation package size market. Mm -hmm. How much spending in the reconciliation package? Many, many brackets to choose from. The bracket that I was in was $2 trillion to $2.25 trillion. That was a classic wish bet. I just didn't want it to go below $2 trillion. I was hoping the Democrats could stand up to Cinema and Manchin and any other cowardly corporate centrist neo-libs that are, that are hiding behind Manchin and Cinema as they take all the heat. But, of course, the leading bracket now is $1.75 to $2 trillion. It's not going to reach $2 trillion, and they're going to cut all the fucking medic. Oh, we, everyone knows what's going on. Let's just talk about how we can make money from it. So I bought in at 12 and now it's at 9 and I suppose I should sell for 8 and cut my losses. It's depressing, but I'm going to do it right now. The end. That was a good segment. John, what about you? What are, what are you invested in? So are you going to sell and then go into no? I'm selling right now in the nude. You're going to go no? You're going to go no? Um, 1.75 to $2 trillion is at $0.40. Cents. And uh, it's down, actually, from $0.52. Cents. You know what the hot mover is? 1.5. Oh, fuck me. 1.5 to 1.75? Jesus, yeah, guys. Yeah, because uh, Manchin came out today. I think he said he would do 1.75. Fuck um, it. I'll buy in. I don't care anymore. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. It's 1.5 to 1.75, and then 1.75 to 2 trillion. What if it's exactly 1.75? 
Well, let's look at the rules. What do we got here? Should the result fall precisely on the threshold between two contracts, this market will resolve to the contract with the higher numerical range. Okay. That means that if it's exactly 1.75, the bracket to be in is actually 1.75 to 2 trillion, not 1.5 yeah. to 1.75, which of course I just bought into like an idiot, like a nude well, idiot. Okay, here's the thing. The 1.5 to 1.75 trillion bracket is trading at 35 right now. Uh, the one just above it, 1.75 to 2 trillion is trading at 40. You add those together, that's 75 cents. You could buy into both of those and still win as long as it's one of them. Oh, interesting. Is that what you're going to do? Yeah, you'll win you'll you'll win 25 cents or $25 or $250 depending on how many shares you buy. Um if it ends up being one of the other brackets, then you're in trouble, obviously. I'm only in the, in the third bracket. I'm in B3 right now, 1.75 to 2 trillion, and I feel pretty comfortable there. So that's good. This is good for our podcast because then there's a moment of high drama. If it truly is 1.75, you will win and I will lose. Yeah, and I feel comfortable uh, going no in the in B5, the 2.25 trillion to 2.5 trillion, which is trading at two cents right now. Yes, you could buy no in that for 98 cents. John, what are you talking about? You always said to never spend more than 92 cents on a share. I'm just telling you what I'm going to do. I'm not recommending it for anyone else. I'm just You're telling buying you that's no what I'm going to Yeah, I might buy no in B4 Ooh. as well. The nudity has gone to your head. You know what it is? I just haven't, nothing has inspired me that much on Predicted. So maybe I need a big loss to get me fired up so get I can start focused. chasing. Yeah. yeah. Get me focused. Yeah. That's always, Ch that's Chasing the dragon. Advice. I like it. Okay. It'll, and it will get us focused because next week is a big, big week on Predicted. I mean, it's, it's election day and, uh, you know, we got the Virginia governor's race which is going to, there'll be a lot of activity. So we'll focus on that for next week. It's going to be a, a more technical next week about how to play uh, the particular brackets on election night and, and when uh, certain results, uh, we expect them to be coming in. So, so everyone wear your clothes next week. This week is fun in the sun, showing our buns. We're nude and we're rude. But next week is going to be pretty serious because John is going to walk us through how to plan out your election night for the Virginia governor's race. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's move on, John. More topics, more topics. <laughs> Folks, I saw Dune, the famous movie, and I'm here to tell you my thoughts, however briefly, and answer any questions y'all might have. Now, I should say I saw it at 10.30 in the morning on my TV with bright sunshine streaming through my living room window. So whenever there was a dark moment on the screen, I saw, I couldn't see what was in the shadows in the movie. I only saw a reflection of myself as dust swirled around me as I sat on my sofa covered in filth. And the other thing is that there's some reason that on my HBO, the sound periodically cuts out. Like every two minutes, the sound just disappears for 15 seconds. Mm -hmm. So I have to rewind and watch the section again. This is streaming? This is streaming. It's streaming and in theaters. Yeah. Streaming is nice when it comes to like <laughs> rewinding and yeah. stuff like that. You're like, yeah, I'll just rewind this a couple seconds. Right. Yeah. And also I was entering receipts into Excel the whole time and searching for uh, local garage sales on Craigslist, of which there were none. Um, 
So it wasn't ideal. But here's my review. Mm-hmm. When the movie started- I would started, like to hear- oh, oh Yes, God. John? Just kidding. What? I would like to hear your thoughts on Dune. Okay. Everybody's got a hot Dune take. So I would like to hear yours. Well, I like this director. He made Arrival, which I think is a What's good- What's his sci- name? Dennis Vinil- oh, Why are you putting me on the spot? Everyone's yelling right now. Hold on. I'll, let me look up his name. Dennis Villeneuve. Okay. He made a rival where they, they were speaking in the weird ink language yeah. and circle language. And the big ro- and their spaceship is a big rock, like the sword of Damocles. And when yeah. you enter the spaceship, the, the gravity is normal. Yeah, exactly. The walls are the floor and stuff. I thought it was really good. It was like, oh, this is kind of alien. It was. Good stuff, good stuff. High hopes, high hopes. I've never read Dune. I've never seen David Lynch's Dune. I've seen photos of Sting from David Lynch's Dune, but I don't know from Dune. I know that they're trying to harvest some stuff and there's huge worms. This is what I know about Dune. So I figure now I'm going to see a good movie about Dune. Wonderful. Kalu Kaleo, Fraps' Day, as they say on their planet. The movie starts and it's terrific because it basically looks, I thought to myself like, is this going to be two hours and 35 minutes of basically the cover art from Dope Smoker by Sleep? This is incredible. Bedouins with oxygen tanks roaming across the desert in search of spice. And then I thought, is that what Dope Smoker is about? Because let's remember the opening couplet to Dope Smoker, the 65-minute long stoner rock masterpiece by the band Sleep. The opening lyric is, drop out of life with bong in hand, follow the smoke to the rift-filled land. And it turns out that a group of what are called marijuana knots are crossing a desert looking for the sacred herb, which is marijuana, 420 kind of has a sci-fi vibe to it. And I'm watching Dune and I'm like, this is the exact same vibe. This is gonna be amazing. What if they got sleep to do the soundtrack? I'll be in in, in high heaven, right? Yeah. And also yeah. Matt Pike, the guitarist for Sleep and now High on Fire is famous for what, John? Not wearing a shirt when he plays on stage, just like right. us with podcasting, except for us, it's also no pants. Yeah. So I was excited. And then I got immediately, like within 30 seconds, I was more lost than I have ever been watching a movie. And again, I had a lot of stuff to focus on. I had to keep track of these local garage sales. I had to enter these receipts and I had to avoid looking directly into the reflection of my own filthy body in the sofa that I was sitting on. And also, I don't think they mic'd Timothy Chalamet correctly. I could not hear this child when he spoke. And it made me think of a funny joke. Are you ready, John? Mm Mm-hmm. You be Jimmy Fallon and introduce me. It's my Tonight Show um, premiere. All right. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, what's your name? David Reese. Thanks for asking. No, no. what is, wait a minute. Oh, you're, I'm introducing David Reese to do an impression or I'm introducing this guy? Jesus, no, you're introducing me to come out and do stand-up comedy about Timothy Okay, Chalamet ladies and gentlemen, and David Reese, the world's greatest comedian, is about to do some impressions for us. No, Let's give not him a impressions, warm- God damn it. That's hack work. I, I'm a, this is what you say. Ladies and gentlemen, he's an up-and-coming stand-up comic from Hollywood. He is 49 years young. He's making his Tonight Show debut. His name is Kid Midas, the original Wave Rider. Go now. Okay, you did a great job. That was good. Do it. And do here it. he is. No, do uh, it. Ladies do and it. gentlemen. Do it. Ladies and gentlemen, we have an Do it up- as Jimmy Fallon. I I, I, all I know is that Jimmy Fallon has a really fake laugh. Okay, do it. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> we have a great guy for you tonight. He is an up-and-coming comic. He's 49 years young. 
He's based in Hollywood, California, if you've ever heard of it. And I think this is going to be a real treat for all of you. David Reese. Thanks, everyone. So I don't know if you've heard, but Dune is in the news. Uh, Frank Herbert novel has been adapted for the big screen. Dune. It's a big blockbuster. One thing about Dune. Have you all seen Dune? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay, I don't know if it's just me. And fair warning, I'm not here to make friends, and I am completely nude, as you can see. But the one thing about Dune was this Timothy Chalamet character. His name was Paul in the movie. I could not understand what he was saying. And there was one point where his dad was like, hey, Paul, do you want to go to this new planet and harvest spice? I half expected Paul to say, I can't, Dad. I'm uploading my mumble rap record to SoundCloud. Because <laughs> he mumbled a lot. Yeah. I, That's uh-huh. my time. You guys have been great. I'm David Reese, the nude comedian. I'm 49 years young. Thanks for having me, Jimmy. Woo! I would like to know what people thought about Dune. I thought it was, I don't know. I was disappointed. Yeah, I said it. I was disappointed. I, so I, let me ask you. Okay, so you said you never read the book, right? Never read it. And you never saw the 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 first Dune. I saw that one. That's amazing to me. How in the how in hell's bells did it come to pass that you saw David Lynch's Dune? I don't know, but I did. And boy, there are some wild creatures in in that first Dune. I guess the second Dune is the same as the first Dune. It's just like an updated version. Yeah, it's the same uh, story. I think my understanding is it's the same story as the first Dune. There was a crazy alien in the first Dune that was like in a fish tank. I know who you're talking about. He's the bad guy. He's played yeah. by Peter Scar- Peter Skarsgård, I think is his name, or Skellingrad or something. I like him. He was yeah. really good in The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. He was a real creep. He plays a balding, gelatinous man, and mm-hmm. he rises out of a pit of oil. And then at one point, he puts on a dress and floats up like 40 feet into the sky. Yeah. It was a very yeah. striking image. It was really cool. Yeah, I really enjoyed the first one. Can I say one thing just between you and me, John, as long as we're here in the nude? I'm tired of these damn sci-fi movies where everything is so aestheticized and so massive in scale and so clean and precise and austere and foreboding that you have these massive rooms, right? Massive halls, massive entryways, and they're filled with teams of people standing in perfect formation waiting for the spaceship to land and for the emperor to come out or whatever. The scale of these spaces has gotten so inhuman. There were times in Dune where I was like, it would take someone 45 minutes to walk from one end of this room to the other. There's no way anything is getting done on this planet. Everything is just too fucking big for humans. Maybe one of these big-ass sandworms, it makes sense, because these sandworms, John, let me tell you, they're no joke. If you're thinking inchworms, you need to step up your game. You will not be attaching one of these to a fishing hook anytime soon, because these motherfuckers came to rumble. That's what they should have used for Dune in the voiceover. But I just think it's gotten to a point now where it's so aestheticized, it's like pretty, but it's kind of like, I like a messy sci-fi movie. I like a Mad Max. I like an Elysium. Everyone's living in garbage and there's old newspapers piled in the corner. You know, District 9. I want the grubby, grimy sci-fi. I don't like it when everything looks like 
an architectural rendering made by Rem Koolhaas or something. You know what I mean? Can you give me some other examples, other films that are like this? I mean, are are, are the Star Wars movies like this Sometimes now? the Star Wars have these big tableaus, yeah, where it's yeah. very massive. And oh, I want to think, is Dune and Star Wars related? Because man, I was really struck watching this Dune movie. I was like, that's straight out of Star Wars. And then I yeah. started to think, what is Star they Wars ripped off Dune? Not just the desert planet. So in Dune, there's a... Let me explain Dune really quick for everyone who hasn't seen it. Explain Star Wars, too. Okay. It's called The Hero's Journey. It was invented by Joseph Campbell. He lived in ancient Greece, and he decided that all the stories should be the same. A young farmer boy is called to become a man and grow up, right? Kind of like we're doing on our podcast. And he suffers trials and tribulations, and then everyone realizes he's the chosen one. It's called a white savior, Okay. He defeats his enemy and or his father. Sometimes they're the same person. Awkward. And then he's the king of the universe. That's mm -hmm. called the myth, or what's it called? It's called the hero's journey. And, and Star Wars and Dune both have it. But boy, oh boy, there's a lot of comparisons. And then I started to wonder, do you think Star Wars ripped off Dune? Star Wars, I mean, the novel of Dune was maybe ripped off by Star Wars? Frank Herbert, who was the creator of Dune, I would be so pissed if I was him. I'd be like, not only did you take my desert planet, not only did you take the mystical boy who's going to be the king of the universe. I mean, I guess that's not truly original. I don't know. It just, it really struck me. It struck me how many things in Dune reminded me of things in Star Wars. <coughs> Sorry, man. <coughs> wow, you allergic to these hot takes, hot peppery <clears throat> takes? Yeah, just the desert air. All right, do you have any Arid. questions about Dune? Desert yeah. power. They, they kept saying desert power, <clears throat> and I laughed every time. The dialogue in this movie was very clunky at times. I already had this discussion with Beckett's dad, but there was one point when they showed up on this new planet and someone asked Timothy Chalamet's character, Paul, are you excited to be here? Or how does it feel to be on this new planet? He said, I'm very excited to say the least. What? What are you, who says that in space? In the year 10,000. <laughs> I'm quite, I'm is quite that excited what year to be here, to say the least. All right, what? What, what, what year was Dune written? 1956, I believe. Okay, and Star Wars, the movie came out in 1977 and was based on a book? No? <laughs> no, he made it. It's not based on a book. He made it up. George Lucas, come on, man. Okay, yeah, so, so, so yeah, he could have stolen it. Here's the summary from Dune as per Rotten Tomatoes, which is where I get all my movie information. Paul Atreides, hope I'm saying that right, a brilliant and gifted young man born into a great destiny beyond his understanding— must travel to the most dangerous planet in the universe to ensure the future of his family and his people. As malevolent forces explode into conflict over the planet's exclusive supply of the most precious resource in existence, only those who can conquer their own fear will survive. Now, that's a good elevator pitch, because the stakes are sounding pretty low. Yeah, they are. It's incredible. This spice stuff is a hallucinogen and a fuel source. And as one of the characters says in the movie, no wonder it's the most expensive thing in the world. I mean, everyone wants this stuff spice. It's kind of cool concept. But you have to farm it. I forget it. It was fine. I give it, I give it, I give it. I give it two out of five stars, Dune. I should have seen it on, I should have taken our, our friend, uh, celebrity guest investor, John Hodgman's advice. He said, you should go do drugs and go see Dune and IMAX. But I decided, mm, that sounds like something I would rather just file receipts while I watch. So my loss. Anyway, that's Dune. That's my movie review. Kid Minus' movie review, Dune. Mm -hmm. 
checking to make sure I'm still completely nude. And I am... Turning our attention now to Ohio, the Senate primary, the Republican Senate primary, Josh Mandel versus J.D. Vance, two heavyweights, two intellectual titans, two terrific guys. We each have our favorite. John has hitched his wagon to Josh Mandel, and I have hitched my little red wagon to J.D. Vance. Only three cents separates them now unpredicted. Josh Mandel is at 37, J.D. Vance is at 34. And just like the tight race you think it would be, each of them had terrific moments in last week's news cycle. They each had a shining, <laughs> they each had a shining Twitter moment. John, I'm going to read J.D. Vance's shining Twitter moment, and then you're going to read Josh Mandel's shining Twitter moment, and then you're going to tell me what they mean for the election. All right. So as we all know, there was a uh, onset tragedy on a movie that Alec Baldwin was in where he shot a gun that he did not know was loaded, and uh, it was loaded, and they killed the, killed the director of photography and injured somebody. It's a fucking horrible situation. J.D. Vance took that opportunity to go on Twitter and tweet this. Dear at Jack, that's the head of Twitter, let Trump back on. We need Alec Baldwin tweets. Oh, bad boy in the house, J.D. Vance. Mm, loving it. Love this bad boy attitude from this hedge funder. So that was J.D. Vance's tweet. Not to be outdone, Josh Mandel took to Twitter the next day. John, what did Josh tweet? Josh, Josh Mandel tweeted... Meat in the freezer, baby in the cradle, gun at the ready, hashtag Bitcoin in cold storage. They hate this. Referring to the liberal whiny left. When I read this, it was like that thing where it's like, oh my God, he's talking about me. Right? Oh Is that God. what he means? Yeah. Yeah. I hate, if you have meat in the freezer, I can't stand it. Put that meat on the roof where it can get baked by the sun. If you have a baby in the cradle, I'm infuriated. Gun at the ready. Your Bitcoin in cold storage. Okay, well, that really I didn't like understand. Bitcoin. What does that yeah. mean? Is that a Bitcoin? What is that? Yeah, your Bitcoin, you keep it in... Uh, keep it in the freezer with the meat. No, no. It's, uh, you keep it, it like locked up encrypted and in some storage. What? It's it's all encrypted. I thought that was why people liked it. I don't know. You keep it, you keep it. Doesn't mean anything. It's fucking meaningless dipshit. Okay. I don't know, but what if he had tweeted baby in the freezer, gun in the cradle, meat at the ready, Bitcoin in cold storage. They hate this. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Yeah. Who, won the, who won the war of tweets? Obviously, both these guys are positioning themselves to be the biggest provocateur. That's great. I love it when senators uh, just Josh run Mandel. on me. What? No fucking way. J.D. Vance's no, tweet I mean, has JD so Vance many more just... likes than Josh Mandel's. Oh, did it? Fuck yeah, man. No one understands Josh Mandel's tweet. It's too poetic. It's like William Carlos Williams or something. Because he put a full space, a full paragraph returned in between each of these lines. Yeah. Meat in the freezer. Baby in the cradle, gun at the ready, hashtag Bitcoin in cold storage. <laughs> they hate this. Why, what do you, what's the gun for? To protect the baby? Protect the meat. Nobody cares about the baby. They want the meat. They want the meat okay. in the freezer. When I get a craving for meat, I'm going to go to Josh Mandel's house. It's like, I know, he, I know he keeps it in the freezer. He tweeted about where he keeps his meat, that idiot. Then I start to break in. Oh, that's nothing. That's just that baby in the cradle. He tweeted about that. Then I hear from behind me, 
I'm like, oh, fuck, I forgot about gun at the ready. Yeah. I mean, you, you don't need a gun to protect your Bitcoin, I, I assume. No, the whole thing about Bitcoin is it's stored on a calculator that nobody understands, but destroys the environment every time you press a Should button. Should we or get something. into Bitcoin? I fucking sort of. country. Fuck me. What? You want to get into Bitcoin? You mean, do I want to discuss it or do I want to invest in it? No. Do you want to invest in it? I can't. We can't afford it. Each, each coin is like $20,000 or something. Can you buy partial coins? I don't know. It's a good question. Any Bitcoin traders out there? Email us. Please don't. Okay. <clears throat> so what does this mean for the Senate race, John? Uh, I'd say that, no, it doesn't mean anything. It's just two guys trying to outgross one another. Um, could you imagine this? In say, un, like North Carolina, can you could you imagine a in North Carolina? It's a a, a purplish red state, occasionally blue, mm-hmm. uh, but you know we have a, a Democratic governor and and uh, but generally in the presidential level and senators, it's a, it's a it's a more of a red state. Could you imagine two Republicans in North Carolina uh, battling like this? Yes. You think Madison Cawthorn wouldn't do okay, Madison yeah, Cawthorn yeah. Con- would totally yeah, do Yeah, but Congress is the people's house. They're Congress. You're is talking idiots. about senators. You're talking about I'm talking con- about the Senate. This is the Senate. I know, man. It's 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 pretty nasty. But could yeah. you see Tom Tillis? <laughs> Tom I Tillis mean, is too old for a rebrand. He didn't grow up in this in this current climate. Do you know what I mean? He had a public persona. Before, so it's the young. Okay, that's a good. Cool, you know, and that's what they keep saying. They keep saying, "Well, the younger generation." I'm like, no, the Republicans of Gen X or uh, Gen Y millennials, they're the worst. Yeah, Ted Cruz is Gen X. Yeah, they truly are much worse. Yeah, I mean the the people that we grew up with are our peers. They all suck. Yeah, I said it. I'm not here to make friends. I told you guys that. And I'm, I'm not here to be PC, so just deal with it. John, read this J.D. Vance email that he sent me because I think it's a little bit ironic in the context of his gross Alec Baldwin tweet. And read the whole okay. email and put your whole yeah. soul into it. <clears throat> the left has sent another one of its crazy cat ladies after me. This time, it's hack job Samantha B. Did you see her recent mudslinging smear campaign against my run for Ohio's? for Ohio Senator, she's not only personally attacked me, but she made disgusting caricatures of my own family members. Where is the sensitivity? (laughs) Where is the humanity here? We can't continue to let miserable, slanderous cat ladies like Samantha B set the tone for this country. I need you to step up and fight back so I can get to Washington and help restore America to the conservative ideas it was founded upon. Please chip in any amount before 11.59 p.m. tonight to help me fight against liberal cat ladies like Samantha B. I'm the left's worst nightmare. I fight against racist critical race theory I stand firm in the face of COVID tyranny, and I speak my mind. I'm fighting for you and elites like Samantha B. hate that. In other words, they hate that. I think he kind of ripped off Josh Mandel at the end there. I think they go back and forth ripping off one another. Where is the sensitivity? Where yeah, is the humanity? That's... We need Alec Baldwin tweets. What the? Get out of town, you, you dump. 
Yeah, that doesn't seem consistent. Seems almost hypocritical. The good thing about this race is one of these guys is going to lose. The bad thing about this race is one of these guys is going to win. Oh, boy, oh, boy, J.D., you better pull it out. I have all my money invested in you, J.D. We got to stop these cat ladies. That's a, that's a pretty cool term that feels very contemporary, right? John, let's talk about Halloween. Halloween, yeah. Ha- it's Hall- Halloween. Oh, it's Halloween. Anyway, I don't want to get, right, I don't I get a, tangled I get up a, in the pronunciation of it's, Satan's it's, favorite holiday. It is holiday. Halloween. It's not Halloween. It's, it's hollow. Like, it's hallow, All Hallows' Eve. It's not All Hallows' oh. Eve. But it's hollowed grand. Nah, fuck me. Whatever. What did you want to say about Halloween? I'm not a huge fan. I'm not a huge fan of Halloween. And I don't know why. I have never dressed up for Halloween. Even when I was a kid, I didn't. No. When I was a kid, I dressed up for Halloween. And I I participated, I think, in Halloween uh, when I was in college. But after college... I didn't continue to dress up. I think the last time I dressed up for Halloween was probably like my sophomore year in college. I dressed up as a Waffle House waiter or line cook or something. I don't know. Maybe I'm not creative enough to do Halloween. It just seems childish. Whoa, bro. I knew we were going to take no prisoners, but are we really going to start shooting the prisoners? I can't believe you just said that. I no, I don't Childish? think I. I you don't think, think on I, Halloween when I dress up as no, sexy no. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, that's childish. You think when I dress up as Timothy Chalamet from Dune and run around with a little knife stuck to my forehead, and then I turn blue and red depending on who's stabbing me, and then I have a little oxygen thing I put up my nose like I'm swimming laps? You think that's childish? I don't like. Um, like group celebration, maybe. <laughs> That's like, you know, kind of like New Year's Eve is like uh-huh. amateur night for people going out and partying. Like I I'll, I want to go out and have a good time sometime, but I don't like to do it in a, like a collective You don't like group community. celebrations, huh? So like if UNC routes Duke, you would never go to Franklin Street, right? And celebrate. Yeah, I would, but I wouldn't wear a silly costume. Oh, so by celebration you mean like when people get dressed up or something? I guess I don't know. This is I, I'm 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 sure I'm offending a ton of people, and, and, and trust me, I don't I, I don't judge anybody for dressing up on Halloween. It just I feel childish dressing up. That's a good way to uh, put for it. Halloween, okay. or maybe I'm just lazy and I don't want to have to think about it and come up with something creative. I'm sure it's probably some fear that I have. Um, I don't really participate. I've definitely felt the pressure of, oh, fuck, it's Halloween next week. What am I going to do? And some years I take some years I take the year off. You know what? What? In, in 2015, I did dress up for Halloween. That was the last time I, I wore a, one of those um, morph suits, you know, those skin-tight uh, suits. Suit? I don't know what you're talking about. Like a dress suit? You know, like a, you put a skeleton. It's like a body-tight. Um, oh, like a, like a, yeah, like, like a unitard that has skeleton like, bones on it? Yeah, yeah. Well, see, that's fun. Did you have fun with that? I did have fun. I was in really great shape back in 2015. Oh, so, so I was like, skin tight suit, you were like, I can pull this off. Yeah, but I think it told me something about myself. It's just like, yeah, I'm only doing this for 
maybe ego reasons, you know? You wanted to show off your body. Maybe, maybe. I'll say something I've never said publicly before, talking about showing off your body. Yeah. Back about 25 years ago, when I was in the best shape of my life, I seriously thought about buying... <laughs> when I, this is back when I lived in Boston. There was a very famous fetish shop in, in, in Central Square. I can't remember what it was called, but they sold all kinds of funky, freaky outfits because right around the corner from the goth club, Man Ray, right? Everyone remembers that? Right across the street from T.T. the Bears? Y'all remember what I'm talking about, okay? Um, so there was this fetish shop, and I went in there one day. I was feeling so great and fit. I was like, I'm going to buy some freaking latex pants. You know, that kind of yeah. late, like, it's like S&M kind of, it's like black, shiny. I'm, I thought, I'm going to buy some latex pants and I'm going to get both my nipples pierced. I don't give two fucks anymore. I'm about to crush this. Of course, I never did it. Because it turns out, all our, all our dominatrix and S&M people who listen to our podcast already know this. Every time you put on this, these skin-tight latex outfits, you have to, like, cover your whole body in talcum powder so that you'll be able to remove it. It's just too much talcum powder. It's like, I don't, that's not, I don't want to deal with talcum powder. Talcum powder? Are you kidding me? In this day and age, talcum powder? What is this, Dune? Are we harvesting talcum powder all of a sudden now? Duncan, Idaho, give me a hug and let's go harvest this powder. No thanks. So I never did any of it. That was my dalliance with the underground lifestyle of, of fetish wear. Whoo, what a, what a story. Okay, John, so you don't like Halloween and I don't like talcum powder. Let's do our final thing. Okay. License plate controversy. Go. This week in Ohio, we're going back to Ohio, the home of Josh Mandel and uh, J.D. Vance, another guy. The state of Ohio released a new updated license plate featuring its birthplace of aviation claim. Uh, you know, the plate, actually, it has a skyline on it. I don't know which city skyline it is. You know, Ohio, they have skylines in Cleveland and Columbus and Cincinnati, and maybe even Dayton has a little skyline, Toledo. I don't know. Um, I like that part of the plate. Uh, but the other thing on the plate is it has the famed Wright Brothers flyer on it with a banner flying off of it that says birthplace of aviation. The The problem is the banner is not flying off the back of the airplane. It's flying off the front of the airplane. So that was a major mistake to come from the state that claims to be the birthplace of aviation. Um, the North Carolina Department of Transportation, when the state of Ohio tweeted this out, responded and, and said, don't worry, it, it's not their fault that they didn't know they weren't here. It's a pretty good slam, right? I hate it when government agencies slam each It's so unbecoming. I know this makes me sound like a senior citizen. Yeah. I find it unbecoming for state and federal agencies to get quirky on Twitter. You're not Orida. You don't have to, you don't have to prove to millennials that you're cool. That's what I say. And also, John, I'm going to say something. You're not going to like this. And this proves the point about me not being here to make friends. Okay. In the age-old debate about who gets ownership of first in flight, Ohio versus North Carolina. Yeah. You're not going to like this, John. Okay, just let me— I side with Ohio. Okay. The Wright brothers were from Ohio that designed the plane in Ohio. All they did was fly to North Carolina because of the dunes. It all comes back to dune. I never thought about it. Dunes, sand dunes. 
Yeah, Kitty Hawk. that's right. Dunes. Okay, so for those who are unfamiliar, I don't know if if there are people out there that are unfamiliar, but there's two claim two two states that claim to be the birthplace of aviation. Ohio, which was the home of the Wright brothers, where they had their bicycle shop, where they did all their tinkering in Dayton, and they ultimately built this flyable, heavier-than-air motorized aircraft that they took to North Carolina and eventually were able to set flight in the first flight of heavier-than-air-powered motorized on, I think, it was 1903. 19, no, December 17th, 1903 was when they did that at Kitty Hawk, near Kitty Hawk, at what is today Kill Devil Hills. It's not really a controversy in my mind. The event, you know, the definition of a birthplace is where something happened. So the, the birthplace is North Carolina. It is where it happened. Now, to which Ohio would come back and say, but no, the concept, all the, the engineering, the brain power, the genius, all that was developed in Ohio, to which I would say NSS. That means no shit, Sherlock. Yeah, yeah. So th- there's there's no question that that happened. And the event occurred in North Carolina. So North Carolina is not claiming anything more than that. They're saying this was the first flight. I kind of think they are claiming more than that, John, because when I was a kid and we used to see those license plates, I assumed the Wright brothers were from North Carolina. I'm just putting that out there. Full disclosure. That license plate is a little bit disingenuous. I mean, when you read about the first flight, it's always Ohio brothers. Wilbur and Orville Wright. But if your only thing you read about the first flight is a license plate, you're going to assume that North Carolina is saying it's first in flight meant, yeah, the Wright brothers were from North Carolina. Well, if you're reading the Ohio plate, you're going to assume that the first flight occurred in Ohio and it didn't. Let's agree to so, disagree, okay? I don't know. I mean, the, oh, the okay. North Carolina and Ohio, they sort of, they, they do have, we, we, North Carolina is better than Ohio. I'm sorry. Ohio's fine. It's a it's an okay place, but John. North Carolina is better. It it is just hear me out. Hear me out. We have listeners in Ohio, and we need. Their- I know, but I'm going to make my pitch that. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Yep. Okay. Look, North Carolina has better beaches than Ohio. Has better mountains. Has better universities. Um, there's one particular prestigious liberal arts college in Ohio that would beg to differ. I understand that. It's called Oberlin College, John. It was the first college to be co-ed and admit African-Americans. Alumni include Kid Midas, the original wave rider. So walk with care here, for you tread upon land you do not know well. Dune. North Carolina has the first state public university, has the uh, first British colony. North Carolina has better skyline. Wow. Wowie zowie. Cleveland not, doesn't do anything for you? No. The no. majesty of the Cleveland skyline? Charlotte has a much better skyline than Cleveland, Cincinnati, and Columbus. It, it just does. It wasn't always that way, but it's that way now. I, one thing I will give to Ohio is Ohio does have better chili. Um, okay. You're going to give them the chili. What about Lake yeah, Erie? So, what about Lake Erie, a great and, lake? North Carolina doesn't have a great lake. No, no, we don't. We don't have a great lake, but we have a big ocean. It's much, much bigger than Lake Erie. Um, that's true. The ocean is bigger than Lake Erie. Yeah, Queen City Chile. That's 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 what it is, right? Skyline Chile. Yeah, Skyline Chile. How can in you the not Queen love City Ohio of Cincinnati? Has not the Chile. not not the best and original Queen City. That's in Charlotte, of course, which is in North Carolina. 
That's another thing that North Carolina has on Ohio. Here's the thing that Ohio does have on North Carolina besides Chile. Actually, more people live in Ohio than North Carolina for now. Is that a threat? No, but by 2030, North Carolina will will pass Ohio because everyone from Ohio is moving here. Is that true? Are you seeing a lot of Midwesterners, Ohioans yes. in North Carolina these days? Yes. Oh, my God, yes. You're like, you're in North Carolina now, buster. You better wrap your head around that. At this point, North Carolina has better politics than Ohio. Oh, shit. I mean, it's it's kind of crazy to think, but it's true. So, yeah, I'm willing to share the birthplace of aviation. But um, North Carolina's better in, in most all other respects. But Ohio's better in football. Okay, there we go. Let's end with something nice for Ohio. Ohio I, don't want to alienate, I don't want to alienate everyone from Ohio. And Cleveland's pretty cool. Cincinnati's the best. I love Cincinnati. Yeah, Ohio's got, Charlotte's not cool. It just got a yeah, better Yeah, see, skyline. Ohio has older, cooler cities than North Carolina. Yeah. I'm going to say that. Yeah. I'm going to say that. You know All what? Right, let's, I will uh, give Ohio this. It's been there. You know, Cleveland was like one of the biggest cities in the United States and in the world and had one of the tallest buildings in the world. Um, Ohio is not there anymore, but it's been at a level uh, that North Carolina may never reach. So there you go. All right. John, we have a listener question from Mike. My day job is teaching middle school history in St. Louis, Missouri. Over the years, I've been conducting the National Geographic Geography Bee for grades four through eight. When I attempted to register for the B this year, I was informed that the GOB was canceled forever. Several colleagues have expressed an interest in putting together our own in-house geography competition. Do you have any suggestions as to what this might look like? My gut tells me it should just be a balls-out, single-elimination geo-guesser competition for a high score. You know, the problem with incorporating geo-guesser is I'm not sure geo-guesser is like a geographic game. You're not necessarily looking at the whole picture. You're looking at specific places and not specific places in relation to other places, which is what I believe geography is. Things are north, south, east, west of one another, or I think GeoGuessr is almost in a way that geo could be like geologic in, a, in, a, in many ways, you know? You're looking at, at foliage or the, the color of the soil. Right, yeah. Or um, even like solar, like the I guess I guess that could be geographic, you know, the where the sun is in the sky. Uh, but no, I don't think geoguesser. I wouldn't. It's fun, but I think ge geography wise, I don't know if I would incorporate that. No. So what should he do? You just have to ask questions, you know, like you know, what city is further uh, west. You're good at questions like that. And they make me think about geography in a new way. You told me one about Florida that I couldn't believe. I don't remember what it was. But yeah, I think interestingly phrased questions that kind of break habits of mind when thinking about geography are really useful. Also questions that help you realize the distortions of the flat map versus the round globe representation of where things are. Uh, yes. Those types of questions are also really useful because we stare at those maps all day long. And they're not accurate when it comes to the actual physical reality of the earth, right? Right. You need to look at the, the round earth in order to – the globe. That's what it's called. But, yeah, I like those ones that sort of – that, you know, like how many states are in between Texas and Virginia? You know, it's two states. Uh, or um, – Which is further you know, north? 
Florida or Alaska, and then it fucking turns out it's Florida for some weird reason yeah, because of map yeah. distortions. You know, Asheville, North Carolina, is it? Is it? What is it closer to? You know, Savannah, Georgia, or Toronto? Or it's Toronto. Something I'm for, not for, sure seriously? about that one. But that's not true. But it's stuff okay. like yeah. that. Like right. North yeah, Carolina, yeah. if you were to set it on its end, it 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 goes way into Canada. Mind blowers. You want to blow their minds, right? You want to give them a little of that spice, that hallucinogen that helps them see things in a new way. Like, oh my God, I'm going to be the king of the universe, mom. Desert power. That kind of stuff. You want to give them some desert power. Use Google Earth. You can do some really cool stuff in Google Earth. I can. I'm sure you can. Election Profit Makers is a Radio Point production with executive producers Alex Bach, Rich Corson, and Daniel Powell help from Houston Snyder and Kat Iosa. Uh, support us on Patreon if you want those new stickies. If you want those stickers, it's patreon.com slash election profit makers. We would really appreciate it. If you want to try predictit.org, if you want to get on in this Ohio Senate race, or if you want to ride waves next Tuesday night, you got to get in soon for the Virginia governor's race, and you want up to $20 in free money to invest, go to predictit.org slash promo slash EPM20 to receive up to $20 in matching funds. And as always, join us in nudity. Streak down the street telling your friends and neighbors about election profit makers. Or you can rate and review us on podcast apps if that would be more to your liking. John, I think that's it. It's time to put our clothes back on, old friend, and prepare our Halloween costumes for next week's spooktacular episode. We'll talk to you all then. Until then, have a booey good week. Fuck it, that didn't make any sense. Bye. Bye.